and we're like, all right, let's say if we were all worth $10 billion each, what would we do? We want to go to a nice restaurant. We want them to know who we are. We want to be able to get a table, uh, you know, if there aren't any available tables. Um, We want to go to a nice club. We want to know what the cool spot is. So it's like a hack. So it's like, all right, if we're not going to be billionaires, we'll live the same billionaire lifestyle by doing the same shit we would have done anyway with $10 billion, except we don't have to wait until some point down the road where we made sacrifices and we're 70 years old. We'll just do the shit now. So all of us, I think, share a passion and we love restaurants. We love entrepreneurs. Um, We love people that take risks, that have balls. We love hanging out together. We love uh, spending time together, being social. My liver doesn't love you so much. Yeah. But, But, uh, you know, we we all like, you know, have a love for for spending time together, hanging out with our friends and and, and dining and drinking and, you know, hanging out. So let me ask you a question. A lawyer, a broker, and a construction guy walks into a bar. Joseph the Bulldog, Cosmo the Spiritual Gangster, and Wayne the Gentle Giant. So this lot are a unique group of non-loud-about-town showmen, but super talented and quirky specialists. Joseph's the hospitality lawyer, Cosmo's the hospitality broker, and Wayne is the hospitality builder. I'm calling this show the inside job because these hospo veterans have seen some shit. They offer their insight into the past and future of the hospitality industry and really understand the moment we are in being COVID-19. They also know the evil landlords and the not-so-evil ones. They know the city of Manhattan better than anyone I've ever met. You may not see them on Celebrity Dancing or Top Chef, but one day you may need them. That's why I'm calling this show The Inside Job. All right. Uh, well, we've got a fantastic show today. We've got Joseph the Lawyer, we've got Cosmo the Broker, and we've got Wayne the Builder, all hospitality veterans. And we're on this show today because i kind of inspired by you three guys. We're in the middle of COVID-19. This will come out probably three or four weeks from now. Right now, it's kind of apocalyptic sort of shit show industry. You're all very talented. You've all been in this city for many years. So I'm going to kind of put the mic over to Joseph, put the pressure on you first and ask you, and you can tell me to get fucked if you want, but I'm going to ask you, how many clients have you got? Because you've got, you got Hepbro, you know, would you want to tell your company's name? Sure. Um, we're Helbron Levy. Helbron Levy. So full service law firm for people in the hospitality space. Right. And you just deal with hospitality people only. Just hospitality and we do everything for them. And you like the old Negroni. Yeah, I like the old (laughs) Negroni. Um, But yeah, we have, you know, we have a corporate department. We have a real estate group. We have a regulatory and licensing group, which I run. Mm -hmm. We do employment and litigation. The idea is it's one-stop shopping for people in the space. Yep. And everybody who works for me grew up in the hospitality business. Are you allowed to talk about any of your client big names that look after you that are public? Like, you know? Is Danny Meyer one of your clients? Am I allowed to ask? Or you just got to nod? Or is this one of those things where you go, I just nod? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it'll be more nodding. Yeah. So there'll be no But you look after some pretty big fish of this city, right? You know the ins yeah. and outs, right? So the people yeah. that have got, you know, one restaurant like me that you've looked after, and then there's people that have got 50, you know, venues or 30 venues. There's so some yeah. big names. So you've got a very broad. And you've also got some good give back in your group as well. One of the things I liked about joining um, with you in the whole team is that there's some animal rights things and there's some give back on you know charitable uh, stuff. And how long have you been doing this in the city now? Uh, firm's been around for about 15 years. 15 years, right? And before you were in the firm, because you always feel like you did something else than law. I don't know. We don't quite know what that is, but I've been out with we you. Have a rap I've been out with you side. a couple of times, and I'm always like, you "Sure, you're a lawyer." Yeah. Um, when I was in law school, uh, I started a company, yep. and uh, that company was uh, representing fighters in mixed martial arts and boxing. Right. Well, that makes a lot of sense, so right? did that Watch for yourself. a bit, and, uh, and then you know, kind of split with my partner in that, um, and was looking for the next move. Yep. <clears throat> and I was out there. It was a super humbling time in my life, sending out cover letters and resumes all day, every day getting job offers for jobs that I couldn't stomach doing. Yep. And any of the jobs I actually wanted to do didn't want me because they didn't value the entrepreneurial experience. So you tasted rejection. Yeah. And, and that's probably why you love restaurant tours, right? Because we're used to eating those on a regular basis. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like I always embrace that role of that scrappy chip on your shoulder guy who's just going to outwork everybody else. Yep. And like, you know, I dare you to put me up against the wall. 
because I in the intro that you don't know I recorded it was like I actually called you the pit, the, the pitbull kind of uh, you know bulldog you know you know in a in a really romantic way because I remember when we went to go for our license and we went to for the listeners CB two means community board two and the first thing somebody said to me oh shit you're in that zone and I'm like what the fuck it was like I was in Compton and on that yeah. and then I asked <laughs> you and you're like oh yeah and you know I remember you talking to me about it and I was like horrified that I even made the decision to do it but you made it so easy. And I, I remember we went to a community board meeting together and watched two Australian idiots before he, before me getting their ass handed to them in front of the community board because they kind of went there very disrespectful and all this kind of stuff. And you'd prepped this incredibly well. And I remember we blitzed through it, right? Yeah. I nearly had a tear in my eye because it was six months worth of work. And we had all these kind of older generational community board members. And fair enough, they don't want idiots in their street and noise and all that kind of stuff. And they were all kind of like anti the site we were on because it was an old club. And I remember you prepping me right. So that was a pivotal moment for me to think, you know, you guys aren't just lawyers. You guys really want this city to succeed, right? For sure. Yeah. I mean, I was I was born in Manhattan. Right. Like, so this is this is my city. And, you know, as, as cheesy as this sounds, the fact that I can walk around the city and see all these different bars and restaurants and clubs and hotels that I've been a part of, even if it's a small part, yep. getting a liquor license and that's it, um, you know, for me, it feels like I'm involved yeah. on a deeper level in the fabric of the city, and that's <clears throat> meaningful to me. Yeah. So, so I know Cosmo um, before I knew you, and I know you because of Cosmo. So it was like this really great family connection. We'll get to Wayne in a second. So Cosmo, you're a hospitality broker. What does a fucking broker do? Other than get paid shitloads of money just to basically convince me that I'm not stupid and I should get a restaurant in Manhattan because you're starving of restaurants. Yep. When I came here, you only had 32000 and I thought, hey, what's 32001 and I want to open an Italian restaurant. But what does a broker yeah. do? Like for some young people, I'm 25 years old, I don't know what you do. Yeah, so uh, it depends on who's being serviced, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're servicing the landlord, you're servicing the tenant. Yep. Um, uh, landlords and tenants have completely opposing perspectives, right? right? So a landlord has the math on, on, on his property, his investment, right. and a tenant, let's say a restaurant, has the math on their business. Right. So I try to merge uh, the two perspectives to find uh, an agreeable place where there's long-term sustainability, right. ultimately. So you're basically making us marry. Yeah. I mean, I know what it means, but if somebody doesn't and they've never had their own restaurant, mm -hmm. And if you want one, don't do it. But if you haven't had your own restaurant, you get a broker, you kind of like the ref. Yeah. Right? Because pretty much. It's never that simple. And it's always every landlord loves you because you're going to sign a lease and then you start getting into the weeds. And then the, you know, the restaurant tool wants something, the landlord wants something else. Yeah. And, you know, before you know it, you've lost a liver, a limb, and an arm. And you've realized you signed something away. And you kind of, I noticed with you, you sit in the middle. Mm -hmm. You don't really you're not even you might get paid for one or the other but you're very transparent about mm -hmm. most objectives right so that's kind of interesting then i met wayne who's our builder who built our restaurant and you guys know each other so there's a connection through there but you two guys have never really crossed paths because well, we, you, don't, we don't really have a reason to cross paths yeah by yeah. the time it gets to me he's done all his work he's ready, yeah. uh, ready to go and you've built some you've built some monsters we're going to get to in the minute but how long have you been in the city now it should be about 30, 30 something years. Now. And you're you're basically the you, you specialize in hospitality. So if I came and said I want to build a boat, you're like I'm the wrong Many guy. Years ago, I was building only office interiors. Right. Substantial square footage of office interiors. It was boring. You think? <laughs> yeah. You walk by a building and say, Oh, I did the the 38th floor and the 39th. No one, no one sees yeah. it. Right. So my first real restaurant was for Restaurant Danielle, the original restaurant. Wow. Danielle was in, in, That's an institution. Yeah. Sorry, I've heard of it. Was the original. Yeah. yeah. In the Surrey Hotel. And yeah. We did it again at uh, Cafe Baloo. Um, but when I used to walk by, I could actually show people what we did. And yeah. there's a certain sense of self-pride in saying we did that. Right. Rather than saying we did the 37th floor yeah. of, you know. Yeah, because even though it saves marketing dollars to right, exactly. right, right, right. I did it. I did that right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> you know, there's no internet thing. Right? And you guys are kind of really connected in a way. They even Mark and you. Um, you know, uh, sorry, you know, like even for somebody like you that's built all these restaurants and even like Joseph and you have never met, but actually all three of you need to be part of the puzzle to keep going. So I'm going to ask a couple questions and I'm like, we're going to start, right? Like for restaurant tours, particularly myself and a whole bunch of restaurant tours out there. Let's just, we'll deal with, you know, Greater New York, but let's talk Manhattan right now. Manhattan's kind of been separate to Greater New York because I only a month ago I went over to the Catskills and I went to Jersey and I dined inside and I came home and we're still sitting outside in the fucking rain. Yeah. While we're recording this, dining is supposed to come back in indoor dining. Particularly 
you don't necessarily have to deal with landlords until construction. So if we started at the, you know, this stage right now, you would normally be doing deals. You would normally be signing people up, but you're now your company's now fighting landlords for the tenants, right? And I know you guys punch out these fucking great emails that kind of feel like it's probably why I think you guys are bulldog and they end up in eater all the time and you call them the landies short for landlords. And, you know, there's the evil landlords and the not-so-evil landlords, right? And so I kind of sit there and I think, well, I'm a landlord. It doesn't make me evil. It doesn't mean I don't have a mortgage. Like, right now between you two, what's faring in this city in regards to landlords? Where are they? Are they realistic about the apocalypse that's coming or that's here? Yep. Are they negotiating <clears throat> down or is it a mixed bag of some get it, some don't, that kind of stuff? Yeah, I, I, I would, if I take uh, the the lead here, I, I I don't think that you can classify landlords as a as a category of every, like every, like every, anyone that owns a building yep. is the same you know mentality landlord. Right. It's there's so many different factors. Let's say to simplify everything, it comes down for the most part to math, right? So it's like you have taxes, mm. uh, you have debt. Um, you have, you know, your acquisition costs for the property. So, like, there's a, there's a, there's math that goes into, you know, how much you valued uh, your retail space, uh, how much you have to get for that space. Um, it, right now, if the lenders are willing to work with you and, you know, dealing with uh, tenants that aren't paying, and you know, there, there's a whole gamut of, you know, let's say data points that lend themselves toward, you know, also if your, you know, your portfolio, sure. uh, you know, and 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 there's a lot of stresses, right? So. What you try to do is, let's say, the difference between a, a an evil landlord and a and a and a nice landlord, right? There, I wouldn't necessarily say there's evil landlords, yeah. right? There's there's an insensitivity that that will exist, sure. period, right? It's not a personal thing, but there's an insensitivity toward other people's businesses, sure. right? So a landlord is a specific business. It's bricks and mortar. They got right? a mortgage. They so, just so, so, it. so that perspective yep. lends itself to a certain type of interpretation of the data points, right? And then you have, uh, <clears throat> you know, who can, who's able to be more flexible right. based on what their math looks like, right? So you say, okay, this guy is able to provide um, more support to the tenant because of their situation. Maybe they own the building outright or whatever sure. it is. And, you know, there's other landlords where you know they're under a lot of stress they have you know a tremendous amount of units yep. and uh, and they might look at case by case uh, specific instances as all right if I'm going to be willing to if I'm willing to be so flexible here is that going to compromise uh, an anchor I might need in dealing with the rest of my portfolio right so like if sure. I give here then I might have to give with fucking 50 other people I can't um, uh, what you handle kind of, yeah, it's kind of like an onion for these guys right once yeah. they they might have 10 or 20 properties leverage leverage themselves mm -hmm. really high you know their market value has gone down the toilet right now and all of a sudden they cut a new deal and their bank turns around and goes you, you know your valuation of your property sucks that's really what you're saying yeah right? so 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 like let's say for instance so the landlord's like all right well you know I can't be I can't be sensitive to, to this guy because if I'm sensitive to him I'm gonna have to be sensitive of these 58 other guys or whatever right. it is and then you're like all right well i'm going to approach this in a robotic mechanical way sure. and 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 let that be the bearer of my stress and i'll react maybe let's say subjectively after that first you know um uh, uh intermediary that's that's like catching everything so like the system you know let's say the black box or whatever catches it spits out now at least i can i can create uh, some sort of uh, connection after that point, right? And and what happens is is what the current circumstances are so specific, also to the operators' uh, finances, sure. and it's so specific to the let's say the the physical um, configuration of the space, right? Or like the location, like you know some of the some tenants might not have the ability to um, take advantage of the outdoor yep. dining, like yep. you know, and for you or uh, you know or or some people like let's say a restaurant twelve chairs you know, has a hundred chairs now, right? And it's like, yeah. they're probably doing, you know, three so times, four times. The, 112 chairs. Yeah, so, so, yeah. <laughs> they might be doing, you know, four times the revenue so, that they would normally so, do. So, okay, so let's but, say, let, just, yeah. The landlords also come from perspective where they're, they're negotiating for 10 to 15 years out. Right. Everyone else is looking at it as they're negotiating for today. Mm -hmm. Sure. But what they negotiate today will affect them over the course of 10 years, 15 years. Right. Each of them may go generational. And you do it, you do it, like, like I'll, I'll put you in the, the, the landlord moment for the protecting mm -hmm. them, for example. A lot of them have been around for a lot of shit that's gone down in the city and they've seen some stuff, you know. Like, I saw a sign at Paris Cafe on the door and it was like, we did 9-11 
we did Hurricane Sandy, we did GFC, enough is enough, we're done, see you later, mm -hmm. right? So from your perspective now, you're representing pretty much tenants, right? You don't yeah. really represent landlords, do you? Not, not in that kind of thing. Not in that kind of thing. <clears throat> so like right now, what's your number one battle? I mean, you must, your advisory side, I know we ask for advice pretty much weekly. I mean, your advisory side right now must be huge because the, it's changing It's changing by the day. Yeah, We're kind of making this shit up as we go along. To be fair to yeah. everyone, everybody kind of is because mm -hmm. this isn't, it'll be over in a year. We don't even know what this thing looks like know. in five, yeah. right? But in saying that, there's some, and there's a big question in here, in saying that, every single crisis has been its own uniqueness mm -hmm. so 9-11 we're never going to fly again we want to go to war that changes everything globally security blah 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 hurricane sandy you know how long is this city going to be destroyed gfc i think at that point when the global uh, financial crisis started we were all going to be broke you know the city was going to look like i am legend with palm trees coming out of the windows and now here we are, COVID, and we're going to wear masks for a long time. We can't connect. So what's your number one? What What are the majority? Because we can only, can't talk about every individual case, but what's the majority of tenants talking to you about right now other than rent relief? Yeah, so the fucked up thing about this current crisis is you don't know what's going to happen. Right? Yep. Like Hurricane Sandy, you're like, okay, that sucks. There's damage. There's water. But guess mm -hmm. what? That shit's going to go away, and we'll right. rebuild, and it'll be fine. 9-11, nightmare. But you know what? Everyone came together. Let's get through it. Let's start the cleanup. Let's start rebuilding. We don't know when the fuck that cleanup and rebuilding is going to happen here because yeah. we might get another wave. Everything might shut down again. I mean, this has affected people in a different way. Yeah. And it's affected people um, with such magnitude that who the fuck even knows if there's going to be a traditional restaurant in the short term. Now, at the end of the day, even if every restaurant that's open right now in New York City goes out of business. Right. Right? Everyone. Yeah. Fucking gone. All yep. of them. Yeah. Well, guess what? Once this shit passes and there's a vaccine and people start living their lives again, someone's going to be like, oh, shit, I bet you a steakhouse in Midtown would do really well. Yeah. Oh, shit, I think we need a dive bar on the Lower East Side. Yep. Oh, shit, we need this. We need... And all this shit's going to happen again, so it is cyclical in that sense. Yep. But the big but part of this is but when we don't know when it's not going to be tomorrow yeah and, maybe and, in six months and maybe that's crystal bullshit right so like it's i said this bullshit. the other day that i i interviewed david rabin you know he's a club guru from you know the 80s and you you all know his work and he's got tons of places and i actually just remember because i'm i've realized how old i was i referenced an old movie and i remember demolition man <laughs> right sylvester sloan demolition man movie. and sandra bullock <laughs> he wakes up from his fucking 50 year coma they're, they're in I think they're actually in 2050 or 2020 they're sitting in the car and he's like I want to get something to eat and she's like well there's Taco Bell and he goes not really what else and she goes well that's that's it and she go, he goes what do you mean he goes everything's a Taco Bell yeah. and he's like no shit right and that's so not terrible. that's what's scary <laughs> that is, don't even say that around me but every but the point I'm making is that what's really interesting about this was maybe the GFC made sense that, that would be happened but now private equity i know people that are about to scale to eight nine places from four or five and even from small one and i'm not talking about rich dudes i'm talking about someone with a sandwich shop that's bust their ass for five years private equity have just gone no way yeah right there ain't going to be that and yeah. even the big groups that only funded and run by private equity are, uh, are not funding so the, the, the question i have to you because we're going to go positive in a second because there's some upside here what happens now with private equity mobs? Are they are they just going to sit and watch and let these places fall over and then reboot? Well, like like with with any group that watches a market, right? right. They're they're waiting to see when that moment comes that things are going to bottom out, right? And things are going to be ripe to buy mm -hmm. again, right? Right. So you, you mentioned you know the the global financial crisis, right? Uh, two thousand eight, two thousand nine was one of the biggest growth years my firm has ever had. Wow. Why? Because all the shitty operators were pushed out. Yep. because they had to tighten their belts and only the good ones knew how to. Yep. But all the good operators who were able to tighten their belts and get through that nightmare, yep. that's when all these restaurant groups were born. But they that changed now. That's like, you know, just, we've now lost some big names. Right. Well, this is different. Yeah. This isn't just yeah, like... Yeah, it's completely different. This isn't just like people are getting squeezed, you know, yeah. in their bank account. This is like people can't fucking go to a restaurant. What yeah. do we do? But I mean, look at icons like Keith McNally, right? You know, he, he has to be... He's changed districts. Yeah. He's changed the way you eat, the way you behave. And I mean, this guy didn't open 20-seat restaurants and he didn't use... He didn't have a billion in the bank like some of the bigger chains. 
But you look at Augustine, and I sit there and I think Augustine is a the restaurant. Failing business that, from the beginning. Right, right, maybe. But, you know, like, let's let's look at pioneering nice people. Yeah. Huh? It's yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. beautiful. Augustine. Well, let's, let, let, let's take it like a, okay, take, look at it like this. It's just math, period. Sure. Right? So you're going to be able to do an X amount of revenue. <laughs> You're gonna that from that revenue you yep. pay X amount of occupancy costs. Yep. Period. So so right now, like we're saying, it's it's not just perspective because you have uh, let's say which normally city averages maybe one one to one point five percent vacancy rate for right. residential. Right. Now you're at like seventeen percent. Right. Right. So you have uh, offices that there's no workers. Sure. Right. Um, you have a new model that might be implemented where a lot of people are going to work from home. Sure. Um, a lot of people, you know, the, the 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 landscape of the city, the people moving back may not be the people who left, yep. right? Um, the the schools are, are there's no schools uh, that are open, so you have kids that are home, so people with families they got to deal with the fucking kids. Um, a lot of people don't necessarily live in the city sure. to begin with, so they're not coming into the city. So I think the city's like uh, uh, the amount of people in Manhattan between like certain hours is like tenfold what live here, right? So they're yep. not coming in. The people that lived here are leaving, you know, and then so like how does pri how would private equity uh, make a calculation that's that sophisticated or complicated when they were already doing a pretty bad job as it was? Well, I'll argue that point because here's the thing, right? If you look at what we do in hospitality, it's basically like a film set, right? It's sensory experience. We're all fucking actors and we're all selling you a moment in time. Mm -hmm. You look at something and we'll argue over Augustine's. I have a lot of respect for Keith McNally and we all do. Augustine in the Beekman Hotel, okay, maybe it didn't make money, but it employed 120 people and he took the risk, not them. He took the risk of putting his name to that thing and going under. The point I'm making is it is easy and it is maths, but I'll argue, you know, there are some of those independent movies and they cost 60 million to make and they turn over 40 million bucks. And it might be somebody like really well-known like Joaquin Phoenix, right? Mm -hmm. He's made some great movies that don't make money. Yeah. But they've reshaped the industry to not always end up with a fucking happy ending. So like I'm, I'm looking at like a restaurant, right? Most movies for the last 20 years, they kind of always need a happy ending. Otherwise, the mass audience don't love it. I think all Joaquin Phoenix's movies are profitable. Yeah, right. Well, they're not. And, and so this is the interesting thing is he, he made a movie at a bad ending which for, for the public, um, it was the one with the robotic girl. And people were like, oh, I wanted it to end with flowers and everybody's happy and I run off into the sunset. The point I'm making back to the restaurant is sometimes people are pioneers. They're not trying to be. They are, but they shape the rest of us. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Keith McNally is the reason I basically sold everything to come to this city and basically have a go. And I was like, he's long term. How long ago did he go down to Baltazar, down now in, which is now trendy yes. Soho? 18, 19 years, right? So what was, you're, you've been here a long time, so what was Soho like 20 years I think, ago? I think a big part of the equation as well now is the online dining experience. Sure. So many people order in now. Yeah. And it's taking away from, they, those people would normally be going out to eat. So that's a big part of the equation between the caviars and Uber Eats and this. But if you look at Broadway in Soho, what was that like 20 years ago? Were you going to walk down Broadway there for- Filled with independent stores, yep. independent restaurants. Yep. Uh, there was very few chains down there, no, international uh, um, clothing stores. Right. None of that was down there back then. It was great. Okay. Because you could walk into a store that was individual to that location. You couldn't yep. find it anywhere else. But there yeah. was no one. There were no restaurants. There no, were no 350 was, no, no, no. seat. But, like if you look at Baltazar, there are no 350 seat restaurants no. down that area. Yeah. That's a big gamble, know. right? Like it, when it works, you're a fucking genius. When it doesn't work, you're not. Right? It's like, you know, not remember. A, I wouldn't say a big gamble. I just think it's just a, at the time, maybe a lot of money. Mm. Right, so yes. it's a big cost, sure. right? So the unit cost, and, and you know, you would you have to be able to absorb that if you know you're a small operator. It's like, where do you get five million dollars? Uh, you know, years ago when you could build a restaurant for five hundred grand. Right, but then if you look at somebody like, let's say Kevin Costner, and if you're young and you're listening to this, remember there was Dances with Wolves for us old pricks, and remember it won a bunch of Academy Awards, oh. Australian cinematographer, blah blah blah, yep. made a fortune. Then somebody gave Kevin Costner 120 million and he made Waterworld and it fucking bombed. Yeah. Right? So you can't say, because anybody that's successful has had bad movies, right? Mm -hmm. So if we were to look at it now and I'm thinking about the building trade, I can't get you on the phone half the time because you're busy. What are you fucking doing during this time? He's, right. on the he's on the so phone with me. Who's building? <laughs> I mean, up, other people than that people that are financially secure right. are actually taking advantage of the opportunity to have all the resources that are on hold 
for projects that are on hold and right. things that are on hold. And they're taking advantage of the opportunity, being that they're well financed, to utilize those finances to push their projects. So you're doing, you're built, so that you're, We're what you're busy. saying, so you're, they're busy building because they believe there's a future. Absolutely. Well, there always is a future. But right. Like Justin, what is that future? That's right. The, but then if so you're. they're already speculating. Right. And so you're building big projects or small yeah, projects? Big projects. Uh, like hotels, restaurants. Hotels, restaurants. Very large stuff. And so, and, and, but not always billionaires, right? Like these are some of these independent operators. Oh, yeah. and Oh, they're all independent. And they're, it's like leveraging themselves and leveraging all that kind of stuff. Leveraging themselves, yeah. They trust, they have trust in Manhattan. They've been here before. They've, They've seen been all through this before. Got it. And like Joe said, they're, they're, the unknown here is when is it going to end? Well, because like, you've built some monster places, right? So like, what are the, some of the places that are behind you from Moxie? Uh, some other stuff. Moxie Hotel. <laughs> towel that kind of stuff yeah. like these aren't tiny little 10 seat restaurants right so that means regardless of what people think about the big boys that are behind it that's believing in a city when you put 500 people in a venue and you get you to build it yeah. and you, so those people are still around investing absolutely we believe in it too right. well no not necessarily not, not, not necessarily sometimes are picking up those costs yeah right. Right. and and also i was going to say like let's say specifically with augustine i'm not familiar with the uh, the actual deal terms yeah but if i had a guess I would say that it was probably some sort of uh, management contract. I sure. couldn't imagine an operator going into that location, spending that much money with yeah. their own money, having to pay back that capex, and even will it be be willing to do that, right? So I would imagine that the hotel would front it because they have the most. To we gain. are talking about restaurant tours, right? We are a bit fucking retarded when it. Sorry, I shouldn't say that, but we are a bit mental when it comes to when when it comes to uh, investing. We don't always think like that. Sometimes we think we're going to put it all on black. Yes and no. But it makes perfect sense. You don't, I don't think you put millions of dollars because just think your payback on, let's say, each million dollars, right? right? Where's the money come from? What kind of return is that million dollars going to get? And, and, and you have to pay that back before you start really making money outside of, you know, whatever the management fee is, right? So a lot of times the deal, it's clear that it doesn't work, right? Like I think almost now that we've been in the business as yep. long as we have, it's pretty clear what's going to work, what's not. When, when, when you see something that doesn't work, you learn from it. And if and 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 for the most part, you know, like it, you can predict whether or not it makes sense or not. So, like, let's say right now, uh, what is Corona or COVID has shown us, right? So, neighborhoods vulnerability. Yeah. Well, neighborhoods are 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 the most predictable, right? Like upper Upper East Side, Upper West Side, uh, uh, West Village, have all been doing business, right? Yeah. Midtown. Uh, so but it doesn't help that no the trains shut down at a certain time, so people are actually staying in their neighborhood. They're right? staying in the neighborhood. You're not coming right? from. You're not in Queens going and you go to Midtown for dinner. 100. Can't get home. We were just in Williamsburg. Williamsburg, yeah. fucking every yeah, single like, restaurant's mine. Doesn't know he's right? never, every, He doesn't every, know there's trains under the no, ground. He's, he's, just he's never out. taken a train. There's an MTA here, Wayne. You should try it sometime. <laughs> Seriously, what time did the train shut? Yeah, down? Uh, like 10 or 11. O'clock. Yeah, that's what they they, they did the, the the curfew on the restaurants to allow the, uh, the food service workers to be able to get home. That's what are they what are they shutting down now? Not like that. Yeah, which means, you know, 11 o'clock for some people go, oh, how late? But you look at a place like Amsterdam Avenue, that yep. doesn't start firing up until no. it's 11 and there's a ton of people down there, right? So hang on. So you're building shit. Are you cutting deals? Yeah. And are you basically signing leases? Some. Not as many, of course, before. No. But not- doesn't doesn't that, fi- don't you three find that remarkable? Remarkable in what way? People are still doing it. Well, like, no, no, it makes sense. After right. any, it makes so, sense. So here's the thing. I don't... Look, I think similar to what we th- saw in 2008, the, the bad operators can't weather the storm. No. Yep. They won't. They're gone. Yeah. The good ones can and will. What's a good one? Cashed up or somebody that just knows how to negotiate? A combination of both. Yeah. And I, it, could be, it could be equal pieces of both. It could be really cashed up, average operator, great operator medium cash it could be a combination yeah Yeah. but um the people who just know how to get it done and weather the storm there will be people that can do that and then there's going to be a big cross section yep and i think the good operators in the cross section that either have a shitty landlord or an unsympathetic landlord yep um or don't have the cash or whatever it is when they go out if they go out it's not going to be for good they're just going to fucking regroup Yep. And they're going to find a better deal in six months when we're closer to coming out of this thing. Sure, sure. And they're going to have a, the same or a similar concept in a better space, paying better mm-hmm. rent, maybe with new investors, maybe the same investors, but they will reinvent themselves. And sharpen their tools, right? So you get 100%. their EBITDA, you know, their bottom lines. Yeah, right. the, 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 the renovation clause. They're not going to – any operators now that get hurt by the COVID, 
in the shutdown. When they go to reopen, they're not going to spend the kind of money they spent to open their original place. Yeah, yeah for now. Understood. Yeah, for now. For they now. now that the, the investment dollars in construction is probably the largest investment made in, in the whole uh, because you know you know people have very short memories Absolutely. right because well, look, you, you know, know look, this better than most people yeah. right hospitality people yeah i have a michelin star chef who's gone out of business is he gonna put in a job application to become an insurance salesman no no he's gonna go find an investor for another gig exactly 100 exactly. yeah but it's, he learned though he learned not to spend that seven million dollars uh -huh. on that build out right right he's gonna <laughs> do it for two million dollars well that's yeah. the that's the beautiful thing right. here right so you have those unsympathetic landlords yep. Yep. who are not going to move and not going to negotiate and they're gonna wind up holding the bag and they're gonna get fucked. Right. And then at some point, they're gonna have to give someone a sweetheart deal just to start that rent roll again. And you're gonna have some of these guys who had bad luck at their last location that are gonna get a gift and they're gonna get a fully built out, beautiful restaurant that they don't have to you know, pay you millions of dollars Correct. for because someone already did, someone did it. and it's there and it's just sitting Correct. there ready to go. I'm gonna ask a loaded question and I have zero interest in red, blue, and white. Boom. Boom. We're not going to ask any Republican, Democrat, Independent. I could care less about that stuff. But what I what I am interested in is I'll I'll start with you, Joseph, because you're probably the most diplomatic. And that's first. I was going to ask Wayne last actually. Um, I was going to say political views aside. Do you think the mayor and the governor are doing a good job? Um, they're not wrapped in the same bucket, so they're both different people currently. And if you don't, what would you have done differently? Trying to get him shot over here? What would you have done differently? Because I've heard some a lot of criticism, and it, and it's very easy to criticise. Armchair yeah. directing is a great thing. You know, I'm involved in a design hotel in Australia, and we, like, feed 15,000, 20,000 people a week in all three places. Somebody's always unhappy there wasn't enough lemon on the salad. So in a city of this this sort of, you know, size and capacity, do you think the mayor's done a good job of, you know, maybe not of communicating, but has done a good job? Short answer, no. Right. Long answer, no. Yeah. What would he have done he's differently? Been, I mean, he's been terrible. Yeah. And you know? why? Well, so the big thing for me is like, well, let's talk about the governor first, yep. actually. Because the governor is sort of notorious for being a control freak. Right. Right. And and most of the time, you know, being that megalomaniac and being a dick, nobody likes that. Right. But I'll tell you, at the beginning of the shutdown, the fact that he was such a control freak and really had this state on lockdown and micromanaged it the way that he had got us out of a really bad situation. So I give him full credit for getting New York to a good place fast and for, for making New York the example that the rest of the country should have paid attention to but got didn't, it. unfortunately. So kudos to him for that. Right. Once we got clear of that, though, he didn't want to let go of that power, of that ability to micromanage things and kept us suffocated for a little too long. Right. And now he's in this crazy space where he's, he's deputizing. Got a book <laughs> yeah, he's got a book tour coming, so you know, the last thing he wants is a spike. And yeah. he's he's willing to sacrifice the businesses across this country, specifically New York City, to make sure that there's no spike and his book tour goes off without a hitch. Right. And that he's kind of looked at as this hero when I think he kind of held the reins a little too tight for a little too long. He should have done. You think he more. called it too? He called it too late. Yeah, he should have. He should have started this a lot sooner. Yep. The reopening and, and see what happens. Right. If it spikes, cool, shut it down. But don't keep everyone so suffocated in New York City the way that he has. So I, I, I think that he had some good moments. Yep. And then he had some shitty ones where he didn't want to let go of the power because he. All right, I'm going to go real controversial before I go to Cosmo. Tell me about Blasio. Uh, <laughs> what? Give me the short I, I version. Everything he, he's done, I would have done the opposite. Disaster. Well, disaster. He's, like what? He's just not a leader. He's like what? Leader. Exactly. So that's the problem. The problem is New York City needed a fucking leader yep. throughout this shit, and we didn't get it from him. He was hiding under his bed or in his bathtub, whatever the fuck he was doing, and any decision he made was a little a, too little too late, and it seemed like he was nervous to make a decision because he didn't want you know the papers to get on him or reporters to get on him or people to get He was too nervous about what other people thought, and he just showed that he's not a fucking leader, and that's what we So needed. one thing you would have done differently if you were mayor? I, I wouldn't have shut the city down the way he shut the city down. I think the governor, after, like Joseph said, after the governor had controlled that, it was time to test the waters and see yeah. how the city would react by opening. So you're both saying... Call, no one ever opened. So you're both saying it's that both th those two called it, called it too late. Well, let's, it, too late. Let's call it what it is. The mayor was doing nothing. Right. The governor's right. calling the shots. Is that what you believe? Uh, the governor always calls the shots. And yeah. I was actually just more disappointed <coughs> in the governor because he can he has the veto authority over the mayor. Yeah. But he allowed the mayor just to make whatever decisions he wanted to make. Think that was deliberate? At least, at least in the media, you never saw the governor and the mayor, you know, uh, going head to head. 
Um, they've always seemed to be aligned on the, the either one's decisions. But for me, the decisions that the mayor was making, a lot of them should have been overruled. So you kind of, you, in a way, you two, before we go to our spiritual gangster and he gives me an insight with an ayahuasca backing, um, <laughs> you two guys, you two guys kind of basically saying the shutdown worked, but you called it too late. Correct. Right. And I can't even comment on this. You have to comment on I this. Can. You have to comment on this. Tell me a short version of what you would have done differently. And you can't talk about the fact that you don't think you're going to die or get sick. What would you just tell it's me just, one I'm, thing I'm you would on have a done completely differently? Another planet when it comes to so, any of this shit. So you don't think we should have been shut down at all? I don't even think it exists. Okay, well that's a different conversation <laughs> completely. This could be another show, Mark. The producers in the background just like, what the fuck? So let me tell me. Let me. Uh, well, speaking of ridiculous <laughs> things, um, tell me, Wayne, the most ridiculous thing you've seen happen in the last six months in this city. Um, a mutual friend. As a restaurant, yeah, with probably the largest seating capacity of any restaurant that I've built. Wow! And push forwards, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, keep going. Hey. Push forwards. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, throughout the whole lockdown, yeah, he, he got special permission to continue building. Yeah, the, uh, special permits, and he just pushed forwards, understanding that at some point the world will open up again and things will change. And he had to be. I gave him so much uh, credit yeah. for having the. Balls. The balls. <laughs> to pull to push through. I mean, it's a massive. It's like six. So you're you're saying you're fucking proud of him. Very proud of him. Yeah. I yeah he's a beast. Why can't he's we make only an eight? He's a beast. I thought you were gonna say he's got like one left testicle no, or something. No, I mean tell us what because, yeah, Okay, we're not allowed to know his name, we can guess. Okay. No, he's a beast. He's tell a beast. us the district he's in and then we'll figure it out Midtown. later. Midtown. Oh well that's fucking not very helpful. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like that's the first ten thousand restaurants. No, when I saw him and I was like, You wanna keep going? He's like So so you found a believer. You found a true believer. As a matter of fact, he wanted to go keep going so strongly yeah our billing requisitions are monthly yeah he says no bill me every week yeah i'll pay you every monday every monday <laughs> wow that's I balls swear, i swear to god every monday he wired yeah you got anything like that cause anybody in the hospitality industry just you know signed off a deal and said fuck it we're going forward yeah signed a bunch of leases yeah. the, the 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 whole the whole thing is 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 kind of like no one knows what to trust right, right. so you're like all right i'm being uh bombarded with uh an illusion of an expert, mm -hmm. right? Who the fuck is an expert, right? So everyone has all these different, you know, backgrounds and opinions and, mm -hmm. and belief systems. Mm -hmm. It's all fundamentally founded clearly in the same, in my opinion, garbage, right? Because you're, you see people walking around with fucking masks on, mm -hmm. right? So, all right, so Halloween, you know, is a couple weeks. Um, why are you wearing a mask? Mm -hmm. So that question, you know, resonates from, from an interpretation and it hits a lot of different things for, for each person, right? Yep. Like, you know, maybe, uh, you know, I have, uh, you know, my kids and my, you know, my, my, uh, I have an in-law that lives with me or, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. Who the yeah, fuck knows? Perspective, like, right? But what, perspective. What, what inspiration have you seen in, in this? Because we're talking about cutting deals, people that are believing in an industry, right? Like I'm 25 years old now. I wish. It, it's, it's like, the, it's like this. Um, okay. If you think that you can get sick, let's say simply from someone else. Yeah. Stay the fuck home. Yeah. Very simple. Wait. They're testing everybody, right? Sure. Taking your information, taking this, okay. If if you're sick with a with a with a, an ailment or whatever it is that's so deadly, right? That the entire world shut down, right? That should mean that the the that whatever's making you sick is is strong enough that when you're sick, you wouldn't even be able to make it outside. Sure. Right? Like, like if this thing's going to fucking kill me, I can't even go out if I wanted to because I'm so sick from this thing that's about to fucking kill me. But what's your inspiration? Me. Tell me, tell me. You're telling, you're talking about, because he's talking about guys signing deals. Tell me about fucking people. I want to know, I want to know about people that are signing deals right now yeah. that are prepared to invest in this city. Yeah. Because in the end, you know, everybody hates capitalism. I'm not saying yeah. I'm for one or the other, but also they're the people putting their money where their mouth is, right? What kind of people are signing deals and what are they signing? People that so 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 what what Corona or COVID has created right is gonna get um, back to this, aren't you? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna tie I'm gonna tie it together. Joseph, get him nudge him to give me a fucking answer for Christ. No, but I'm gonna tie it together, right? What hotel? I've been renovating the Gansevoort Hotel since day one. Yeah. Pre-COVID, we started. We went right through. Yeah. We're still renovating. They didn't stop, and this is a a family. This is not a corporate. And hotels at the moment are fucking killing fields, right? Exactly. They did not stop, and I had a lot of respect. For them, they were one of the originators of the meatpacking to be sure, with. Sure, sure. Uh, back in 2004, 2003. Yep. 
and they're gonna again bring and they're one innovators of modern hotels and yeah, yeah. Of yep. hotels. I mean, we had to you know adjust our game plan and yep. slow certain things down. But they're not billionaire things. family. They're they're an independent family. Yes. They've got properties. They all work exactly. in the. They got the brother, the cousin, cousins. The, Everyone's in the yeah. family. Yeah, and they they elected as a family um, to proceed with it, knowing that they had zero revenue coming in from this property. And zero. if any of us were private equity and we were funding hotels right now, we'd freeze. Exactly. We'd freeze, right? We, yeah. we, nobody, because how many rooms are going to be empty in this city? They have one guest coming Thursday night. Yeah, so so example, yeah. that's an example. It's so you, we represent two massive hotels in Us. Midtown that both shut down completely. Yeah, yeah, I think the addition shut down in that's Midtown. One of them. Yeah, one of. So who? I are, don't even think they were allowed to operate. Since Cosmo's still thinking about his answer, who are people that are inspiring right now that are just pushing forward? Other than you know hustlers and all that kind of stuff. Well, look, you well, asked you asked Wayne a different question. You asked Wayne for the craziest shit he's yeah. seen in COVID. So yeah, you're trying to confuse us so bro. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that oh, i am jesus so so look it, it obviously takes a a big set to yep. want to open something right now yeah but people are doing it yeah and i applaud the people that are doing it and and we're fully supportive i mean look you you get our newsletter you see the thing we push yep. out all the time we're we're there we're supporting people we're you know when this was a when you represent only people in the hospitality industry and the hospitality industry bent over you take it too Right. Sure. I mean, you so, guys get fired up. Sometimes I have to double take and read it again when you send that letter out. And I'm like, is this my drunk uncle at the wedding? Because he's calling, you're calling people names. And it's like, and the, all the partners yeah. are on there. And I'm like, I don't even know if this is a legal firm anymore. Yeah. So we get fired up about <laughs> yeah. it. And, you know, I, I got really fired up a couple months ago because one of my clients who started negotiating a lease pre COVID um, and then kind of put things on hold for a month and then said, fuck it, let's just, let's just go forward. He, he's got other places all really well done, nice places, spares no expense, great concept, closes early. And we had a community board meeting sure. a couple months ago. And it was via Zoom, which yep. puts, I think, the applicants at a tremendous disadvantage. So for the, for the listeners, a community board meeting is, if you don't have a restaurant, you have to basically meet with the community board in some cases to get their approval before you go to the state to get your license and make sure that you're abiding by the local rules of the community and they're happy that you're going to do X, Y, Z. And it's under a microscope, huh? Because I've done it with you before. It's yeah. not like just, hey, we're doing this. It's like they want to see your floor plans, your menus, your, you know, your wine list, everything. Yeah, and while the community board can tell you no and you can still get a license from the state it'll take you know significantly longer and it's yeah. a little bit of a toss-up so to have that peace of mind to know you're going to get the license you really need to you do don't want angry thing. neighbors either because you want them to be clients exactly they, they could be your best customers. so what's the craziest shit that's happened so i was before a community board i won't say which one yep and it was a, a coffee shop concept closing early guy with a proven track record multiple locations and the community board's raking this guy over the coals for coffee yeah what for on, on Zoom. Zoom. That's why they do it on Zoom. We've got 30 people looking at me, and they never get that many people at a real live meeting. No. And they're just screaming and yelling, what's wrong with you? Did you even do a business plan? You know no one works in that building anymore. Why would you want to open this place? Why do you need a, like, really being disrespectful, raking this guy? And finally, I had to jump in yeah. and be like, what the fuck is wrong with you people? You should be ashamed of yourself. Absolutely. So yeah. they got, they're sitting there criticizing an entrepreneur that's prepared to put money where his mouth is during probably the world's worst pandemic in the modern history. The position should be, Thank you so much you? Yeah. for investing How, in our community. Yeah. Yeah. What can we do for you? And you know what? If someone wanted to put a nightclub next to an elementary school or sure. a strip club you know, but coffee? next to an elementary like, school, yeah. give me a fucking break. Yeah. But this was a reasonable daytime experience closing early. And the flack this guy was getting. Did he get it? From the community board, no, but we've pushed ahead with the liquor authority. And I So when we go to post this live, let's put that fucking name of that guy's coffee shop on the website so we make sure everybody goes there and has coffee and then we just give us the community board's address we'll throw eggs at their windows yeah. or something <laughs> like that's pretty but fucked it, up it's, right it's like crazy. it's hard well that's kind of how they always because, are but just now exa more exaggerated because when you're when you're in april and may right or like march april may and you're like fuck what is going on the industry is just sort of bottoming out everyone's paralyzed yeah and then one guy calls me one day and goes we want to move forward fuck it we're like yep. We're going to get through this. Yeah. I was like, fuck it. We're in. We're totally in. We'll, we'll be there. I'll do it myself. I'm not even going to send somebody like to else to do it. Like you'll get me. I'm not charging you for it. Like, Let's go. This is why I call you the bulldog lawyer. So if, uh, you know, because I, I in my intro, I talk about you may not see these guys on Dancing with the Stars or Top Chef, but you're going to need one of you three eventually. 
So what should we you... get super controversial and talk about EDA? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not doing that with you because otherwise we'll need another fucking show called Overtime <laughs> Pipe Times 10. So if I was going to say, what are you going to tell your 20-year self and not anything about My what? COVID, your 20-year-old self, what are you going to tell your like 20, 20 year, old year old self? Apart from, you know, like maybe study something different. It's just been oh, a like really. If I was 20? If you were 20 now, I'd with what be you know. Working with my dad again and fucking uh, <laughs> making no money. What would you do now if, with what you know? Yeah. And I'm not saying bet on the stock market and all that sort of shit. Yeah. But with what would you know, you know now, industry wise? What would you tell your 20 year old self? Would you do anything different? I would have called the 20 year old you and went to Bali. <laughs> <laughs> I used to live in Bali. So what would you tell him? If I had a son that was 20 right now, no, what would you. I tell him? Stay home with mom and let dad deal with this shit. <laughs> you're back to the future. You're talking, <laughs> right, pretty you're, much you're don't go yourself. out. These people are fucking weirdos. He's never going to give me a straight answer to that, is he? What would Say you tell it. your 20-year-old self, Joseph? I don't know. I don't know. I really don't. Yeah, it's a weird you happy question. Where you're I'm happy where I am, yeah. That's your answer. Yeah. We're all I, happy. I had, I had uh, Mike from Sparks on the other day who said he's always really, really happy. And then he said... At the end, at the end, I asked him, you know, and he's in his late, you know, fifties, I hope, and uh, you know, he's a veteran of this city, he's mm -hmm. seen a lot, right? He's like, you know, and I said to him, "What would you tell your twenty-year-old self?" And he said, "Not to go in hospitality." Yeah. And I said, "But you and didn't stay in finance, but he only did a few years in in some big investment house, and he hated it." And I was like, "Well, hang on, you can't have both. You just told me you're always happy." How do you mm -hmm. know? And he goes, I would have had more money. And I said, well, that doesn't mean happiness. No. Richness doesn't come with, you know, it's all different, right? So it's kind of fascinating. So you were really happy with the decisions you made, right? Yeah, ultimately, because look, I mean, I'm, I knew from a super young age that I was going to work for myself one day. I was just an entrepreneur. I just right. had that in me. My dad was, my dad owned a hardware store in Midtown. I grew up in that store and that was his own business. And sure. I got, you know, kind of firsthand look at what that looks like. So I kind of knew that was in my DNA. Yep. Um, and I knew I was never going to take a conventional path anywhere. Yeah, Don't you so, think that's pretty fucking awesome, though? You can say that. Yeah, I do. What about you, Wayne? Same. I, 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 and there's no other way. I never, think never took a conventional path. No. So you would it. never tell your 20 year old self anything different no, than what you did. I would tell them just to, you know, follow the path that makes you happy. That's it. Whatever that path is. But that isn't that interesting because, like, in the everybody that's in this industry that I've spoken to says the same thing. Because I can probably list, and I think we can all list a handful of people we know that aren't in the hospitality industry, rich as shit, and they're miserable as fuck, right? And and because richness doesn't necessarily mean money, and none of us, you Helps. know, even at times, you know, some some of us probably had, could have stopped working and didn't risk it all again and again and again. We're all risk takers, and that's kind of uniqueness. Because if we're talking, we, you know, the audience now is there people like 25, 28 years old. They've lost their job. They've been furloughed. They're like, do I go and you know? A hustle and do what do I do now with my skill set? I'm a waiter, right? And there's no restaurants to look after, and if there are, there are only 15% of the staff mm -hmm. working again. And you know, the answer I said the other day was because somebody was like, "Oh, you got to come out to the beach," and I'm like, "No, I'm working." And I'm like, "You got to study another craft. You got to hustle, man, because when this shit turns, you want to be able to play the banjo and the guitar and you know run the band." So you yeah. still don't have an answer, Cos? Yeah, well, what you're talking to, look, the, the reason why we're friends and, and the reason why we do business together is because you could look at us like, you know, say attorney, contractor, broker. We're kind of like hackers, right? So we basically looked at life and we're like, okay, uh, what are the things that, that I want for myself? And, yep. and how do I create a situation where, uh, where I don't have to compromise, sure. right? So for Joe, his specific personality, you know, he took what he was good at, right? So like, I can't read, so I can't be an attorney, right? So, and, uh, and, and, uh, and, you know, and, 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 and Wayne, right? So, you know, we're all like, all right. can't cook. You know, so like, let's say being an entrepreneur, right? What does that mean? That you're in charge of hiring the people that are around you. So I used to think like when I worked at another company, why the fuck am I putting myself in an environment where I'm not the one who chooses who's around me? Sure. That doesn't make any sense. So I was like, fuck that. I want to be the person that decides who's around me because they're around me. Yeah. Right. So I had to open my own business. And then, you know, you're like, all right, well, you know, uh, my hedge to being a billionaire. I was like, what's most dudes dream? They want to be a billionaire. It says, all right, well, chances are I'm not going to be a billionaire. So what would be the next best thing? What is a billionaire? What does it represent? Right. So it's an idea that represents an emotion that's uh, basically in contrast f uh, that where like uh, I'm like, how do I feel now? And, and that idea and that emotion is, is going to be better than, than the way that I feel now. So I want to travel there. Right? That was the longest fucking answer. And that's right? why he's a spiritual gangster. Are we on the same page? No, we are on the same page. I get it. 
I get it. Mark had a little nap, but he kind of gets it. He's gonna have, Mark's going to watch this thing over and over and over again and go, well, I, I think I understand. No, I, I get what you're saying. I actually agree with you 100%. And, well, let okay. me finish. Let me finish. Yeah. So, so the point was... He's just getting started. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that was like the intro. So, Why so, tell us about one deal, one client, one No, idiot. no. So, so like, let's say all of us, right? So, so we're all in the business for the same reason. So we're like, all right, let's say if we were all worth $10 billion each, yeah. what would we do? We want to go to an, a nice restaurant. We want them to know who we are. Yeah. We want to be able to get a table, yeah. uh, you know, uh, if there aren't any available tables. Um, we want to go to a nice club. We want to know what the cool spot is. So it's like a hack. So it's like, all right, if we're not going to be billionaires, we'll live the same billionaire lifestyle by doing the same shit we would have done anyway with $10 billion, yeah. except we don't have to wait until some point down the road where we made sacrifices and we're 70 sure. years old, we'll just do the shit now. So all of us, I think, share a passion and we love restaurants. We love entrepreneurs. Um, we love people that take risks, that have balls. We love hanging out together. We love uh, spending time together, being social. My liver doesn't love you so much. Yeah. But, yeah. but uh, you know, we, we all like, you know, have a love for, for spending time together, sure, sure. hanging out with our friends and, and, and dining and drinking and, so, you know, hanging so out. So let me ask a question, Wayne. Yes. You've built really different concepts not just big projects you've done little taco shops and you've done what's one hospitality trend you hope doesn't come back that's that's shut down something that you thought that's just so frozen stupid. yogurt <laughs> I, I just don't personally enjoy the really crowded loud obnoxious environments like big venues like big venues i just have never enjoyed you just it. fucked yourself you're supposed to you make money I, from doing I, I, I just don't personally enjoy it right. wayne likes space so, when he dances like space. so dances. they can be food things too joseph so if it's like a fucking sushi burger or something tell me something that you've looked at because you know there was a peak there when things were just flying and people were coming up with some <laughs> wacky shit right um what what don't you want to see come back well that's what i don't want to see again yeah. i don't want to see that fucking wacky period yeah. where everyone's just trying to come up with the most bizarre fucking thing. Uni and a cannoli. Yeah, or like the ramen burger. Oh, yeah. Or like all that shit. It's just like, stop. Just stop. Just I saw that. I saw Remember there was like, that what? thing with, uh, they were doing sushi rice and shaping them like a burger bun and then yeah. filling it with all this different shit. And avocado. Have you guys got over avocado now? Because we're fucking Australian. We, we, it, I got here three years ago and they go, oh my God, they've got avocado on toast. That's my terrible American accent. I was looking at the <laughs> person next bad. to me and I'm like, yeah, good bad. for them. And I'm like, that's amazing. And I'm like, and you even a place here open that's just dedicated avocados. Yeah. I was like, you guys just discovered fucking the cup of Christ. What was the thing you had the avocado sushi or something? Avocado. Oh yeah, I had somebody. I had a really <laughs> pretentious restaurant a while back, and uh, it was one of those. It was like the out of the you know one of those fucking movies, LA Story, and they uh, they presented a plate, and it was. Uh, sliced avocado on the plate with lemon oil and they said sashimi of avocado and I nearly just grabbed the plate threw it across the room yeah. I gotta say thank you I to you three guys we're gonna be fucking having a drink together very soon we're off the clock now so thank you guys thanks Joseph thanks Cosmo thanks Wayne thank appreciate you. the time that's it for this week peeps if you're enjoying the show just go to iTunes Stitcher Spotify Google Podcast or whatever podcast player you listen to and ideally give us five star rating if we deserve it of course it will help other people like you discover us if you want to find out more on what we get up to or to suggest someone we should interview let us know you can follow us on Instagram Facebook Twitter and YouTube at The Raw Hospitality Show the show is a Fabrica Collective production produced by Mark Fellows and Samantha Webb music by Jindal.